two weeks, you're home for Turkey, and then you come back. And for those of you um, who don't have a degree, it's a week of studying and finals. And, and, and then you get to spend your whole winter break, hopefully watching a lot of football, basketball, drinking peppermint mochas, whatever it is for Christmas that you do. I hope you guys, uh, th- yeah, that's right around the corner. So I hope you guys are ready for that. Now, with that being said, that means that we are at the tail end of Aggies for Christ. So this is our third to last of the semester. We have two more after this. We have two more after this tonight, and, and then we'll be done. And, uh, man, you know, when I, when I think about the end of the semester being about over, uh, I, th- there's two emotions. First of all, I'm sad because the faithfulness of God to this ministry this semester has been amazing. It's been, we've just seen a lot of really great things. Um, but secondly, I'm just excited to finish strong. I'm excited to finish strong. I know that you guys are as well. So you have two more weeks to invite people who need to experience um, a good Jesus-loving community or need to hear a good word. And next week, the word will be a little bit better than usual. Charlton Taylor, our preaching minister, has agreed to preach for us next Wednesday night. And so we're going we're gonna to let him help wrap us up with one of our last um, two sermons. So as far as events go for the rest of the semester, we're pretty much done. I want to say a huge thank you to those of you who signed up and then showed up for the progressive dinner this past weekend. We had a great time with the the families from our church who hosted us for meals in their homes. Um, I just need to brag on you guys for a little bit. Some of the families pulled me aside, almost every family pulled me aside Sunday to just kind of talk about how much they loved having you guys over. They're so impressed with you as a group, and they just thought that was the neatest thing that you guys came and ate at their homes. And so they were, they were thankful that you came and ate their food, which is pretty a unique situation that college students should love. So they loved you guys, um, and so thank you for participating with that. It was a really great event. Now, as far as events go, we're pretty much done, but I do want to tell you about the last AFC that we're going to have this semester. So the last AFC is on November 30th. Um, That's a Wednesday night, obviously, but it's also the night of a really big basketball game for NMSU. So here's the plan, and I need to tell you guys about it now so you can start spreading the word. We're going to start half an hour early that Wednesday. We're going to start at 6.30 start time that Wednesday night, and that way we can all be done with worship. We're going to have a little bit shorter sermon, a little bit shorter songs, and then together as a group, we can all go watch this basketball game against Air Force. Now, you don't have to, you don't have have to come to the game with us, but that is why we're starting early. I do think it's a great opportunity for us to be a part of the campus on that evening because it's against Air Force. It'll be a good game. Everybody will want to be there. Um, Also for myself, it's just meshing two of my favorite things, Jesus and basketball, and so I'm just super excited about the opportunity for that. So that is November 30th, and that's it for the announcement, so let's get to the important stuff. I want to hear by a show of hands who you voted for and why you think we're either going to hell in a handbasket or not. No, I can't do that. I don't want to do that. That is like the last thing I want to talk about tonight. I'm really excited tonight to talk about Jesus. I'm really excited to talk about Jesus. I think he fixes everything. I think he makes sense for this whole entire world. Every situation at home or in politics or whatever it is, I think Jesus makes sense. And so I'm excited to talk about him tonight and hope you guys are ready to go. This semester we've been going through the Gospel of Luke. Now what the Gospel of Luke is, it's one of the four stories we find in the Bible that talks about the life and the ministry of Jesus. And one of the themes that we've had, that we've been going through, we've been talking about some of the unique stories that are unique to Luke's Gospel. Like the prodigal son and, and, and stories such as that that are only found in Luke's Gospel. But last week and this week are a little bit different. We're kind of chronicling the last week that Jesus was alive on this earth right before he was crucified. And so we've been talking about some actual events that happened, not sermons that Jesus preached, but things Jesus did. And so last week we talked about this really strange kind of story with Jesus and Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus was a wicked tax collector who... uh, 
who didn't, who didn't know God and didn't live a godly life, and he met Jesus, and that encounter changed everything. And it was a really strange experience. Now, tonight we're going to be talking about something strange as well, um, especially if you didn't grow up in the church. What we're talking about tonight is something that is a, a strange tradition that Christians have. And so tonight we're going to be in Luke chapter 22, and we're going to be talking about the Lord's Supper. And the, Lord, and the title of the sermon tonight is A Dinner to Remember. A Dinner to Remember. Um, Look, I, I think tonight's going to be a special night because of a couple reasons. Uh, first, we're talking about Jesus. Secondly, we're together. But, but, but lastly, we're going to be taking communion together as a family tonight, as a faith family. And what better, I just don't think there's a better way to bring people together, to really unite people. And if there's any time in our lives that we needed unity, it's probably today. Amen. And so that's what we're going to do tonight is we're all going to come and take communion together. But first, um, I want to I talk about it tonight. I want to teach on it a little bit and, uh, and just explain why we do this kind of weird tradition. But before I get to that, will you guys pray with me and for the sermon tonight? God, we love you and we praise you and we're thankful to be in this place tonight. I'm thankful for every single soul in these seats. I pray tonight that you have something good to tell us. God, I know that you do. And as we talk about the, the supper um, that Jesus shared with his disciples, I pray that it will, it will speak to our hearts about the way you deliver your people. The way that you've constantly delivered your people through generation and generation and generation. And the way that you don't forget us. And I pray that in that, uh, in that same mindset we can, we can choose to not forget you as well. God, I'm thankful for your son. I'm thankful for what he did in the cross. And it's in his name I pray. And everybody said, amen. Traditions can be really, really weird. Um, I want you guys to picture this. Picture you're in Columbus, Ohio at the end of November, and you're walking around the campus of um, the Ohio State University, right? You're walking around um, Ohio State University, and it's about midnight, and you're walking on the campus, and you hear screaming and hollering coming from the pond coming from the pond. Now this pond is called Mirror Lake and it's about a quarter to midnight. It's freezing cold in Ohio and you, you peek around the corner and there it is. Thousands of college students barely dressed jumping into this freezing cold lake. Now what are they doing? This is a tradition called Mirror Lake Jump or something like that. This is where the students of Ohio State, they celebrate the rivalry game against the Michigan Wolverines that, that will happen the next day. And so this is what they do. Now us desert rats, we look at that and we just think that's the craziest thing in the world. But I know people who have graduated from Ohio State. I had a friend that was on the track team and, and, and he said this is one of the most special traditions that they have, and, and it might seem weird to us, but they really value that tradition. What about a little closer to home? Oh, you go to the next slide. So all of us in the room, or a lot of us in the room, we probably all applied to Texas Tech, right? Like I applied and I got in, but I didn't have the money to go, so that's why most of us are here at State, right? And you guys, you guys can admit that, because that was a lot of us in the room. So at Texas Tech, if you've never been to a football game, I got to see them play UT a couple years ago. They, first of all, it's really loud. It's really rowdy. You say Raider Power about 7,000 times a game. Um, but one thing that's really weird is at kickoff, they do this really weird thing where they throw flour tortillas in the air and on the field, and it is just the most odd thing that you've ever seen. Now, being a New Mexico boy through and through, like, that is the base of my food pyramid, you know? So when I see, when I see flour tortillas flying around me, I don't know whether to be amazed at the sight or sad about what's happening, but, um, but that really happens, and, like, they really don't like it there. There's, there's, um, 
You're not allowed to do it. Now, one of my best friends from high school um, went to Texas Tech, and he actually got arrested, handcuffed, and left, and ha- got escorted out of the game because he got caught throwing tortillas. Um, I tell you what, there's never been a kid more proud to throw, to throw flour tortillas on a field than him. He was so happy to be rocking those handcuffs that night. Like, tradition, that tradition to him meant so much. It meant so much to him that, uh, that, even, though they were, that even though he could get arrested for it, he still wanted to do it. Now, traditions in the church can be somewhat similar. To those on the inside, maybe we don't question it so, so much, but what if you were somebody who walked into a church for service for the first time ever? There's some things that you'd be like, okay, I, I, can, I can agree with that. I can see why they're doing that. But there's other things that maybe they wouldn't. So if you walk in and we start with music, you can say, well, like, I've been to a concert before, and I've seen people m- be moved by music before. I don't really understand the words, but I, I can get this. Or what about when the preacher gets up and starts preaching the sermon? Oh, yeah, I've been in a lecture hall. I've heard people talk and teach before. I've seen motivational speakers and TED Talks and stuff. People would be, they'd be like, okay, I can get that. Even the money basket. Even if they feel kind of dirty passing the money basket and they gripe about how the church is just in it for the money and we're just trying to get rich on them. I wish that was the case. It is not. <laughs> but like, even, even if that's what it was, they would still understand, like, yeah, well, I came to this event, so fine. Here's, here's money, price of admission, whatever. That's not the case, but some people would still uh, at least understand that. Now, there's something that happens in Christian tradition, though, that is so weird to other people. And it's, it's probably weird to people on the inside, too. We just don't question it that much. And, and, and that is the tradition of, uh, uh, of communion, or the Lord's Supper, or if you grew up, grew up Catholic, it's called the Eucharist. Now, practically speaking, what communion is, I don't know if there's any way to get lights. I can move this table over here. It's okay. Wow, that is really good. Good job. Um, pract- practically speaking, if, if you've never been in the church before, if you've never known if your communion form was very good or not, this is what communion is. You walk down, and you take a little shot of Welch's grape juice right here, and then you take a little piece of, um, uh, of, of cracker, and, and the grape juice represents the blood of Jesus, all right, that was spilled on the cross, right, and, and the cracker represents the body that was broken for us, okay, so this is part of the communion tradition. Now, what some people will then do is they'll, um, they'll either sit or some people will kneel, and they'll take a quiet time, a time of remembrance before God, and they'll, ate, they'll eat that little piece of cracker, and they'll drink that little piece of grape juice. Oh, I won't put the cracker back in for later. But, there, but that's generally how you take communion, at least in our church. And so if you've never been to UCC before, if you didn't know if you had good form or not, there the campus minister just showed you how to take communion. But growing up, I grew up in a couple different churches. So I grew up in a Methodist church where, where we took communion by something called intinction, which means you peel off the bread and you dunk it in the juice and then you eat it. And, I, and, and then you have to go and you kneel before the altar. There's a big padded place where you kneel. And, and I always remember peeking out of the corner of my eyes to see when my parents were done praying, like, okay, have I prayed long enough for this to count? And then I get up and I, and I follow them back to our seats. Um, one of the interesting things that I picked up here at UCC when I first started going here when I was in college, that's something I hadn't seen before, is, um, and I know you guys have seen this too, all the young engaged or married couples, how they go and take communion together, and they like walk up there like super romantically, and the man puts his arm around the girl, and he, and they, he prays over her, and I'm like, I'm this hopeless romantic, right? I'm looking at that, and I was like, man, I can't wait to take communion like that one day. Like, that looks so, that looks so romantic. That looks great. 
So, so the, the, there's different elements of how communion looks, and I, it's, that's just a silly example. It's not how you have to do it, but, but it's, it's something that you, you pick up these different examples of how people are taking communion. But a few things I've noticed about a lot of churches, and it was true of myself, is that first I might not, I didn't really understand communion. I didn't understand why I was doing what I was doing other than it was how I grew up. And secondly, I, saw a lot of, I see a lot of people taking communion with some really sad faces, like, some, like we're walking in a cemetery or we're walking to view an open casket. It's like this super sad, somber thing. My goal tonight is to put both of those to bed. First, I'd like to lay a foundation as to why Jesus wanted us to take communion, as to why he wanted us to remember him. But, but secondly, tonight, I want to I show a little bit as to why I think it's a celebration, why I think it's more an act of celebration and something to remember and celebrate. So here's how Jesus describes um, the first communion in Luke chapter 22. Verse 14, when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, for I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you, for I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, and he gave thanks, and he broke it. And he gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which I poured out for you. So originally, um, this meal was not a meal that Jesus set up just so he could institute communion. What this was, was this was a, a Passover meal. This was a Jewish tradition. So the disciples were coming together to do something that they did every year in celebrating Passover and the deliverance that God gave his people from, from the slavery that they were in in Egypt. So this is a traditional meal that they're sitting down for. This is what they initially started um, eating that night for, was for the Passover meal. Exodus 6, 6-7 through 7 describes how they got out of slavery like this. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am Lord your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. So here God is telling, um, to telling his servants, he's saying, look, here, here, I'm going to take you out of Egypt. I'm going to take you out of slavery, and this is something we need to celebrate, okay? And he tells them how they're going to celebrate in verse 17. This is a day that you are to commemorate. For generations to come, you shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. Celebrate the festival of unleavened bread, because it was on this very day that I brought your divisions out of Egypt. Celebrate this day as a lasting ordinance for generations to come. So originally, what this meal was, was Jesus and his disciples being good Jews. They were doing what they were supposed to be doing. They were sitting down and remembering the mighty acts that God had done. Now, if you don't remember the Exodus story, like, like God pulled these people out with amazing miracles, with plagues with, uh, that, he, that he sent on the Egyptians. Like he got his people out in mighty, mighty ways. And God wanted to be remembered for this. God wanted to be remembered for this, and remembering and recollecting is something that we can associate with. Some of the best scenes in all of cinema have to do with remembering huge events in the human story, or not human story. Here's a short clip of an example of that. Remember, remember, remember. Like, we love that. 
Like some of the best clips in all of movie history are surrounded by this idea of like remembering really big, important things. And that's exactly what Jesus and his disciples were doing the night of the Last Supper, of the Lord's Supper. He was saying, we're going to remember exactly what it is that God did for us. That's what celebrating the Passover is, getting out of slavery. Now we can associate with that, but Jesus did something else that night too. He said, remember me as well. And what did he want them to remember? He knew that the next day he was going to be given into the hands, given into the hands of the men who were going to kill him. But he also knew that, that, that he, was going to be, be, he was going to be raised from the dead three days later. And so he wanted to make sure that this was something that was remembered. This wasn't just, a, this wasn't just an opportunity for Jesus to destroy a, Jesus, a, a Jewish tradition. This was an opportunity for, for Jesus to say, look, this whole story connects. The way God led the people out of Egypt is the same way, uh, and the way he was faithful then is the same way that he's going to be faithful now. Because I'm going to die on that cross for you. But I promise you I'm going to be raised from the dead. And that is the ultimate sign of faithfulness. First, the faithfulness of removing them from Egypt. Secondly, the faithfulness of giving Jesus on the cross. It is all connected. And that is something to absolutely remember, but absolutely celebrate as well. One of my favorite preachers of all time, he said it like this. That that's the context of the Lord's Supper. Not a dead, lifeless, and sad tradition, but a meal that celebrates God's great acts of deliverance. Not a, not a dead, lifeless, and sad tradition, but one that celebrates deliverance. And so tonight, before we celebrate and before we take communion as a faith family, there's one more point that I want to make tonight. See, the thing about being a Jesus follower is we're not just called to remember what Jesus did. We're not just called to remember what God did. We're, call, we're called to active remembering. Active remembering. Now, I want, this, I want this phrase to stay up for a little bit. Active remembering. See, when the students at Ohio State, when they get ready to jump in that pond and celebrate this tradition, they are actively participating in this tradition, right? But here's the thing. The very next day, and this game is November 26th this year, the very next day after they jump in that pond, they're going to wake up the next morning, and they're going to put on their cherry and red, or the cherry red and their silver, and, and their, their Ohio State Buckeye gear, and they're going to go to that game, and they're going to celebrate joyfully as fans of the Ohio State University, that, and, and they really hate Michigan. They're going to actively participate. They're going to actively remember what they're doing. And God, what God calls us to do with communion is the same exact thing in our daily lives, the same exact thing. Participate and celebrate with joy. See, Jesus knew that the tomb was going to be empty. That's the amazing part about this story. What he wanted you to remember is not only the pain that he had, and yes, that was sad, and yes, we should have a heart of confession, but he wanted you to remember that he rose again and that the tomb is empty. That is why we should go here to the table celebrating. We should absolutely be celebrating what it is that Jesus did. However, the part of actively remembering, the part of actively celebrating communion goes far beyond the last drink of grape juice that you have on a Sunday morning. The memorial does not stop then. The way we live our lives for the rest of the week is supposed to look different. It's supposed to look drastically different. Yes, Christ died. Yes, he rose from the grave victoriously. Now, what does that mean for you? And what does that mean for me the rest of the week? 
the Apostle Paul describes communion like this. I really want you guys to focus on the last verse. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup, uh, this cup is, the, is of the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Here's the verse I want you guys to hear. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Next slide says, active remembering, proclaim the Lord's death. Worship team, you, can guys, you guys can start making your way back up. See, tonight as a, as a family of faith, we're going to take communion together. And we're going to come to these tables remembering what God has done for his people, what Jesus did for us on the cross, and we're going to come celebrating that the tomb is empty. But here's the most important part. Tonight when we walk out of those doors in the back, we're going to proclaim the Lord until the day that he comes back. That's the goal, that we actively remember him by proclaiming him until the day that he comes back. The way we live, the way we love people, the things that we do and the things that we say, the purpose that we live our, live our life, this is how we will actively remember what it is that Jesus did. So tonight the tables are at the front in the back of the room and the worship team is going to play one song where we're going to come take communion and then we're going to have another last song where we can stand and worship together. Hey, this, during this time, if you need prayer, myself or my wife or the interns will be in the back of the room ready to pray with anybody just kind of like if we were taking uh, communion on a Sunday. See, the thing we have to remember tonight is that God was faithful to his people then. And if you're going through something right now, he's going to be faithful and he's going to deliver you now as well. So I'm going to pray and then we'll move into this time of communion. God, we love you and we're thankful for you. And even the weird traditions like, like communion, we're thankful for what it represents. We're thankful for that ultimate sacrifice of Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. And so tonight I pray that we can celebrate it. Tonight, I pray that we can come together in unity, just remembering what it is that you did for us on the cross. And I pray that we come with a heart that wants to celebrate that the tomb is empty and that that is the best news that we'll hear in our whole entire lives. And so, I, God, I pray over this room right now that, they would just be, that we would just be touched by the, the sacrifice that you made and the way that you delivered us. Lord, thank you for what you've done on the cross. In your name I pray. Amen.